This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We begin with some good news for Surrey taxpayers who were facing a hefty property tax increase. Global's Grace Key is live in Surrey, where residents gathered to have their say today. Grace, it's been quite the afternoon of developments. Bring us up to speed. Well, it looks like that budget is not going to be going through. Instead, it's going to be going back to staff to get reworked on with consideration of new funding from the province. So at the beginning of this finance committee meeting, Mayor Brenda Locke said the budget was made a couple of weeks ago. And since then, the city has been able to secure infrastructure funding of $89.9 million from the province. The mayor said that she was confident that this would result in a 5% decrease in the property tax from the policing shortfall. And that would mean a total property in tax increase of possibly 12.5% instead of the 17.5%. Now, in the end, councillors spoke about the heavy tax burden and the mayor putting much of the blame on previous council. I don't want to deliver a 17.5% increase. Not one person on council wanted to see that happen. The problem was we came into a mess. We came into a, a council that was faced with poison pills, with mis mismanagement for four years, and we have to right a wrong. We have a city that is moving forward, and this is a very forward-facing budget, even though the, the actual uh, cost of it is, is quite high. Surrey is still on the lower third of all Metro Vancouver municipalities. Now, the budget uh, decision on the budget has to be made by the middle of May. Now, keep in mind, the province haven't, hasn't given its official nod when it comes to keeping the RCMP police force here in Surrey, which is what they want. So these numbers could change. And today it was mentioned that in terms of a delay, it costs $8 million a month to carry both forces. Jordan? All right, a lot to still figure out. Grace Key reporting live in Surrey tonight. Thanks, Grace. If you don't have a family doctor in BC, any illness can spark a desperate search for treatment. To entice more doctors to stay in family practice, the province rolled out a new payment plan that fundamentally changed how they're paid. One month later, Krista Dow checks in to see how the plan is working. In the past six months, Yao Hui has called nearly 30 clinics and medical offices and still no family doctor. It is very frustrating because every time we change a clinic and we don't know that doctor and he doesn't know our situation. He's one of about a million British Columbians who currently don't have a family physician. Now, one month after the launch of a new payment plan designed to retain and attract family doctors in B.C., there is some hope that issue will soon be addressed. The feedback is that this has been a game changer for many physicians. The new payment model aims to pay doctors for their time, which can include complex patient interactions. Physicians can choose to bill under this new model or stick with the old plan.
now this very significant change, which allows doctors to respond to the needs of their patients, which is critically important, and also uh, allows us to build out our rostering system over the next number of months. So far, 2,041 doctors have signed up for the longitudinal family practice payment model. That's about 46% of family doctors, and 160 of them are new doctors or returning to family practice, a group that doesn't include Dr. Anna Wolak. It's not a, an outright condemnation of the model. I think it's a good first start. There's still an element of distrust for, you know, having to report the time and like to the absolute minute it's 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 dictated. They are definitely not holdouts. It's only five weeks into a massive, you know, monumental shift in how we practice. There are some who are in other contracts. There are some who are in other scenarios. There are some who are just waiting to see what happens. As British Columbians, too, wait and see whether this will make any dent in their search for a family doctor. Krista Dow, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, more doctors is obviously good news, but mm -hmm. what about the pressure on our hospitals? You have some fresh data. Yeah, we're reporting this from time to time. Our hospitals remain still very crowded. We're still in respiratory illness season. The numbers are getting better, but there's more than 9,900 people occupying a hospital bed right now. We have about 11,600 of them, and that's both base and surge. Here's the numbers going into the weekend. The occupancy rate in Fraser, 84% of the beds were occupied. Vancouver Coastal, 91%. Uh, similar numbers in the interior, the north in Vancouver Island. The number of vacant beds and between uh, surge and base beds still remains high, but that can change very quickly, particularly in some of these uh, interior and northern health authorities where the number of beds typically don't match the number of beds in the larger urban areas. So we're still at a critical time in our hospital. As I talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix today, he says they're still concerned. This remains a high number, more than 9,900 people. If you go back to last year this time, there's probably a little less than 9,000. So it's quite an increase over the year, again, largely due to respiratory illness. Those numbers are coming down, but we're still in a very crowded situation when it comes to our hospital bed situation. All right. Thanks for this, Keith. All right. It's being hailed as an important step to protect people who have had intimate images shared without their consent. The B.C. government introducing new legislation targeting people who post and share those images. As Global's Richard Zussman reports, the new rules would create new options for scrubbing those pictures and videos from the Internet and provide new legal avenues for victims to seek compensation. There's no one in town. Her story, unforgettable. Now, more than a decade after Amanda Todd's death, changes are coming here in BC. If she were alive to see and hear us, she would certainly be grinning down upon us and cheering loudly as change is made. This is the dream of helping kids that she always wanted. Number 12 On Monday, the B.C. government introducing the Intimate Images Protection Act. I move that the bill be introduced and read a first time now. When passed, the law will speed up the legal process to stop people from distributing intimate images without consent, allowing survivors to pursue civil action and monetary damages for harm suffered, and include special provisions to give minors access to legal tools to stop the pictures or videos from being shared. I'd like to take a moment to speak to those people who commit this type of abuse. There is no excuse for your actions. This is not funny. This is not a game. You are violating a person's privacy and dignity. You are committing sexualized violence. 
Statistics Canada reports non-consensual sharing of intimate images has gone up 80% over the past five years. 48% of youth non-consensual image distribution cases involve an intimate partner or friend. More than 36% of cases are from a casual acquaintance. No matter who you are, what your age is, you have the right to privacy. You have the right to control your own images and no one has the right to hurt you. And it's never your fault. The legislation would give the province power to order Facebook, Instagram and other online platforms to remove the intimate images and force Google and other search engines to remove the images and video from search. But the challenge is keeping up with changing technology. The offenders go into the darker web and they trade them like they do baseball cards. It's really horrific, it's horrible, and this is why we need to do something now. The legislation coming with the hope no one else ever feels they need to make a video like Amanda Todd's. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Police have now identified a body found near a Maple Ridge High School over the weekend. 55-year-old Surinderjeet Singh was found dead near 218th Street and Mountain View Crescent Saturday morning. Police and the coroner's office have deemed his death to be suspicious. Officers also discovered a black Hyundai Elantra near Dudney Trunk Road and Acadia Street that they believe is related. RCMP say they are releasing Singh's identity in the hopes of furthering the investigation. If you have any information, you're asked to call the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team. A Vancouver MP is demanding the federal government take action in the case of a convicted killer who is now seeking refugee status in New Zealand. Ang Lee was charged with the 2002 killing of his girlfriend, Amanda Zhao. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, not only is he making the false claim that Amanda is still alive, he still owes her family hundreds of thousands of dollars in civil damages. And so for the family, they feel that justice is not being served. According to Vancouver MP Jenny Kwan, a refugee case thousands of kilometers away is something the Canadian government needs to be involved with. She has written a letter to the ministers of justice and foreign affairs asking them to intervene in a deportation hearing in New Zealand. I'm not asking for the government to interfere in that process, but to ensure that the factual information is shared. So you might need to media. She's talking about Ang Lee, who in 2002 killed his girlfriend Amanda Zhao. The pair, both Chinese nationals studying in Canada, shared a basement suite in North Burnaby. When she suddenly vanished, Lee slowly became the prime suspect fleeing the country just days after her body was discovered stuffed inside a suitcase near Stave Lake. Lee never faced justice in Canada, but he was arrested and charged with murder in China. That sentence overturned on appeal, and he ultimately served less than 10 years. According to Kwan, Lee never made good on any of the financial penalties the court ordered him to pay Amanda Zhao's family. Not one cent has been provided to them, but yet somehow he has the wherewithal to have the resources uh, to travel uh, and to buy a home in New Zealand. Now Lee, who goes by Zhong Wan Lee, is fighting deportation from New Zealand. According to a court decision reported on by the New Zealand Herald, Lee entered the country under a different false name five years ago. The tribunal dismissed his refugee application. He is appealing the decision, claiming he will be persecuted by the government if he's returned to China. Lee is quoted as saying, It was a political setup by the CCP to get me into trouble. I believe Amanda could still be alive and walking around somewhere. This is an outrageous claim and it's absolutely disgraceful. 
20 years after Amanda's death, her parents appealing to the Canadian government to pursue some semblance of justice. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A North Vancouver cyclist has been killed in a collision with a commercial truck at a busy intersection. According to RCMP, the woman in her 40s was involved in a crash with a commercial vehicle at Lonsdale and 23rd Street just before 10.30 this morning. Investigators are now looking for witnesses and dash cam footage from the scene to help them determine exactly what happened. The driver of the truck stayed at the scene and is cooperating with police. The woman's identity is not being released as family members are still being notified. So far in our investigation, we've determined that the commercial vehicle was traveling westbound on 23rd Street and it was making a right turn onto northbound on Lonsdale Avenue. That's where the collision occurred, where the cyclist was at the intersection. Now, there is no bike lane at that corner. The RCMP's Integrated Collision Analyst Reconstruction Service is now investigating. No room at the end. Concerns about Vancouver's supply of hotel rooms and the potentially damaging consequences for the local economy. That's next on the News Hour. High-tech pothole patrol. How City Rover can smooth your commute. Coming up. Plus. Y'all know what happened to me. Comedian Chris Rock comments on the slap heard around the world. That's later. Right now, though, B.C. is a world-class destination with tourism creating tens of thousands of jobs and billions in salaries, profits and tax revenues. But a new report suggests the Vancouver region will soon be short thousands of hotel rooms. Without them, as Paul Hasem reports, we could lose our ability to host events on the world. It was another busy weekend in Vancouver. The Rugby Sevens at BC Place and the Maple Leafs taking on the Canucks at Rogers Arena. It's these big event weekends helping hotels like the St. Regis bounce back from the pandemic. There are a lot of people wanting to come. There's Sometimes we can't even take uh, large groups. A new report from Destination Vancouver shows the region is running out of hotel rooms with demand set to outpace supply as early as 2026 and it could mean billions in lost economic impact. We're inviting the world here from the Labour Cup to Grey Cup to Invictus Games to FIFA in 2026. And what we project by is that by 2026 that we will be at full capacity by summer. The numbers are staggering. Not keeping up with hotel demand would cost the region more than $30 billion by the year 2050, along with more than 168,000 full-time jobs something the city and the province can't afford to ignore. It's a conversation we have to have around strategy with the federal government, uh, First Nations, the city of Vancouver, so everyone is well aware of it. We've lost hotels uh, as they've converted due to the high cost of real estate into housing. Uh, we lost hotels with uh, use of them for turning them into supportive housing. Um, but what we really want to see, I think, is flexible, uh, more, more nimble policies. Since 2010, the city of Vancouver has actually downed 1,500 hotel rooms. Airbnb would like to play a bigger role, currently offering about 3,500 active listings in the region. So I'm thinking about all these events coming to Vancouver in the next couple of years. There are a lot of opportunities to make that extra money you need uh, by, by engaging in short-term rental, even for short periods of time. Now, one of the biggest issues in downtown Vancouver is space. But one idea being floated out there is a hotel barge in Coal Harbor that the city is open to. Potential for a floating hotel has been very positive, as we know, from the developers who want to bring it here, as well as the city being open and thinking differently about how we develop the city. 
Those are the kinds of things that will bring competitive advantage to Vancouver. Barge or not, Vancouver may be forced to think outside the box just to fit everyone inside. Paul Hasem, Global News. The pandemic hammered hotels last year. Fewer than a third of the rooms were filled in January. But as travel started to resume, hotels started to fill up to the point that 89% of hotel rooms were full in September before the winter travel lull set in. Vancouver hotel occupancy was up from 36% in 2021. You know the saying, if it sounds too good to be true. Scammers are becoming more and more sophisticated in how they reach us. The Better Business Bureau's top 10 scams and what you can do to protect yourself. Also had another disrespectful theft from a Kelowna cemetery. The Alex Fraser Bridge is looking absolutely lovely north and southbound at the moment. You've got no delays into or out of Delta if that is part of your commute. This evening, BCAA members save three cents per liter off fuel and Shell, plus 10% off in-store purchases and car washes. Conditions apply. Visit shell.ca slash BCAA. In Global One, I'm Jerry Mayer Judson. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The Better Business Bureau is reporting a sharp uptick in home renovation scams that are costing Canadians big money. Julie Nolan has the story and ways you can protect yourself from getting fleeced. Everyone is looking for a deal these days, especially when it comes to home renovations. We feel that this report is critical as part of our ongoing effort to prevent people from being scammed. According to the Better Business Bureau, the number one scam in Canada last year involved home improvement. Consumers have lost thousands of dollars to contractor scams, primarily due to fly-by-night businesses using high-pressure sales tactics and demanding upfront fees. The BBB says these scams alone have gone up 187 percent since 2021, putting consumers out an average of $1,900. The best advice? Ask for references from previous projects. Once started, a shady contractor may find issues that significantly raise the price. Inflation, material goods. Next up is cryptocurrency scams with the promise of becoming rich. Victims say that they fell for these scams because they seemed like an easy way to invest. Advanced fee loans are in the number four spot, costing consumers an average of nearly $1,400. In Canada, it's illegal for someone to require a fee before you get a loan. So if you're asked for any upfront fees prior to qualifying, consider it a cue to walk away. Investment scams ignited the highest losses for Canadians at an average of $5,500. Employment scams round out the top five, followed by online purchases, rental scams, which are new to the top ten, followed by cons involving credit cards. Take five. Five minutes, five hours, five days. Don't be rushed. Rounding out the top ten are travel, vacation and timeshare opportunities, along with fishing or social engineering. 
While seniors are thought to be the most easily targeted, the BBB adds ages 35 to 44 are actually the most susceptible and more women fall victim than men. Say no to cash deals, high pressure sales tactics, upfront payments. Do your research and make it ironclad if you can to avoid becoming a victim. Julie Nolan, Global News. Metal thieves have stooped to a new low in Kelowna. Over the weekend, someone stole more than 20 bronze vases from Kelowna Memorial Park Cemetery. The bud vases were attached to walls at the cemetery's columbrium. The facility is closed to vehicle traffic at night, but people can still enter on foot. I fear that the interest is to sell it as scrap metal. Uh, so, you know, and that's, that's such a... A disturbing thing to do to somebody, right? I mean, that's that's hitting below the belt. RCMP are asking scrap metal businesses and pawn shops to do the right thing and call police if they're approached by anyone trying to sell the vases. Firefighters from around the province gathered at the B.C. Legislature today to honour those who have fallen in the line of duty. More than 500 firefighters marched through the Inner Harbour before taking part in a memorial service for their fallen brothers and sisters. Over the past four years, four dozen firefighters have lost their lives on the job or as a result of their duties, and many of their family members were in attendance at the memorial. The future of the Crab Park encampment. I understand people's frustration, but uh, unfortunately this isn't something that can happen overnight. With a promise to end encampments, some wonder why more funding is being sunk into services and who's paying the bill. Also ahead on the news hour, why the United Nations says global gender equity is an elusive goal. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Massey Tunnel is looking excellent. You have two lanes each way and no delays through the tube. I don't know how I can see it because it's pretty dark. <laughs> but yeah, you are all free and clear to go through the Massey Tunnel through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital. When you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you choose to support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center in Global We got the gist of it, didn't we? RCMP have released video of a suspect in a mysterious shooting incident near Victoria two weeks ago. The man is described as being between 40 and 50 years old, about six foot one, with a heavy build, approximately 250 to 300 pounds. He is wanted in connection with shots that were fired at the entrance to Geordie Lund Bike Park in Langford shortly after midnight on February 20th. RCMP scoured the area at the time, but the suspect was not found. If you have any information, you are urged to contact West Shore RCMP. There are growing concerns about the future of the tent encampment in Vancouver's Crab Park. With news, hundreds of thousands of dollars more will be spent to support those living there. As Kristen Robinson reports, it's raising questions about how entrenched the camp has become. Almost two years after it was established, the encampment at Crab Park remains, although many residents have moved on. Kevin Strom worked with Carnegie Outreach to find supportive housing. I didn't want to live outside forever, so I was like, and the winter was pretty cold, so I was like, there's no way I'm spending another winter here. For those still here, services, including power, are provided. 
A $715,000 Union of BC Municipalities grant will fund four temporary full-time park rangers at a cost of $660,000 with $55,000 for washroom cleaning, garbage disposal and VPD support for cleanup work. Fiona York is a supporter of the tent city. How humane is it for people to live like this? I guess it's kind of looking at alternatives and looking at a harm reduction model. Last May, a man was murdered in Crab Park. It was the scene of a stabbing spree in October and a major tent fire in December. The ABC Majority City Council, which has vowed to clear encampments, says that's still the plan. We are working uh, to decamp the park, uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, we do have to have suitable housing to move people to, and that's a challenge in Vancouver. I understand people's frustration, but uh, unfortunately this isn't something that can happen overnight. When asked how much money it's spent on the Crab Park encampment since May 2021, the city of Vancouver said we'd need to file a freedom of information request. The province says the recent UBCM cash is to support people living in the park while a decampment plan is finalized. Federal government is not there yet. We're proceeding without them uh, in the event that they join. That'll be a bonus. The federal housing minister not available for an interview. Unless there is that pressure for decampment or eviction that comes from the state authorities, I could see the tent city lasting until there is that influx of permanent housing that actually suits people. Strom, meantime, says he's two months sober and will soon be living on the North Shore with two of his sons. I made the necessary moves to move forward with my life. It's my job as a dad to be there for my kids and to get them back. At least my mom did that for me, so. Kristen Robinson, Global News. While we don't know exactly what the Crab Park encampment is costing the city of Vancouver, Global News has obtained the bill for two former large camps. The 18-month camp at Oppenheimer Park cost the city more than $3.5 million. Now, that doesn't include fire costs, which are estimated to be at least 360000 And the 10-month encampment in Strathcona Park cost the city $2.2 million, which includes more than $600,000 to fix the green space after the camp was dismantled. It's been a busy but successful day for North Shore Rescue after callouts for three separate incidents. The most hazardous, an out-of-bound skier located in a dangerous area near Cypress Mountain Resort. Due to deep snow and hazardous avalanche conditions in the steep terrain, rescuers decided on a helicopter longline rescue to reach the injured person and extract them as quickly as possible before dark. We still have uh... Uh, an unstable snowpack up in the mountains. It's, uh, we had, in some places, we had a meter of new snow, uh, and it, that hasn't solidified yet. It's, it's still dangerous to be out there, and you have to be well equipped. You have to, especially going up Grouse, BCMC, uh, it's, it's not a walk in the park. You need proper winter gear. Earlier in the day, an out-of-bound skier luckily came across one of North Shore Rescue's emergency caches and was airlifted from that spot. Crews also responded to another call, coming to the aid of hikers on the BCMC trail who were not properly equipped for the winter conditions. Amtrak has restored its daily rail service between Vancouver and Portland for the first time in nearly three years. Up until now, the Amtrak Cascades train was only running once a day between Vancouver and Seattle. That same train never went to Portland. But Amtrak announced today it is resuming the daily Vancouver to Portland run. There will be one train each day between the two cities. The head of the United Nations says the goal of gender equality is growing more distant. 
Speaking to the U.N. Commission on the Status of Women, Antonio Guterres says across large parts of the world, women's rights are being abused, threatened, and violated. Guterres says on the current track, the achievement of gender equality is 300 years away. Progress, won over decades, is vanishing before our eyes. In Afghanistan, women and girls have been erased from public life. In many places, women's sexual and reproductive rights are being rolled back. In some countries, girls go to school, risk kidnapping and assault. In others, police prey on vulnerable women they have sworn to protect. Gender equality is growing more distant. Kutera is calling for strengthening of international frameworks to protect the world's women and girls. Coming up on the news hour, pothole intelligence. That's mounted to the windshield of our trucks. The Canadian company using AI to make road repairs before they're a major problem. And now we know how Chris Rock really feels about the slap he took at the Oscars and the actor who did it. One third of Canadian children are at risk of going to school every day on an empty stomach. And being hungry makes it harder for them to learn. That's why Global News is partnering with Toonies for Tummies to provide nutritious meals to children in need in your community. Please donate today. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. It has been a particularly rough winter for our roads, and you don't have to drive very far to feel the jarring bump of too many potholes. In Victoria, artificial intelligence is being used to help pave the way for a smoother ride. Kylie Stantis, Stanton rather, shows us how it works. You often don't see them until it's too late. A clear sign winter is coming to an end and pothole season is upon us. 2022, we filled two and a half thousand potholes. But this year, the city of Victoria is optimistic it'll be a smoother ride, thanks to City Rover. That's mounted to the windshield of our trucks, and we use that as an automatic pothole detection system. So this technology is uh, scanning the road ahead of you, and it's collecting real-time data, which then maps out where all these potholes are and color codes the priorities. The artificial intelligence app was developed by Visual Defense based in Ontario. In just a few short years, the technology has made its way to municipalities of all sizes. Now it's deployed in Canada, coast to coast, uh, as, uh, as west as Victoria and as uh, east as uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. And not only is it saving those communities money, it's not costing them much either. It's just meant to be affordable. So affordable for us is in the thousands of dollars. So it's about $5,000 uh, subscription per device per year. Here in Victoria, the city rover has detected roughly 500 potholes since the city began a six-month pilot program back in October. Not to mention things like damaged signs or raised manholes. And with 279 kilometers of road to maintain in the capital, this extra set of eyes goes a long way. This is just another really valuable tool to allow us to get ahead of the game. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Yes, they are everywhere. Fortunately, I don't think today's weather, at least not on the south coast, made them any worse, Christy. 
No, not necessarily, but you know, it is a good sign of spring. And actually, I thought I would start off with this image because this is exactly what we're dealing with. We can see spring off in the distance, but we're not quite there with snow on the ground in some areas. A lot of it has melted and certainly the crocuses are trying to come up. So are the tulips and there's buds on the trees, but we're not quite there just yet. In fact, look at this. This was Campbell River this morning where they saw anywhere from five to even some localized areas, 10 centimeters of snow. So a tough go there and we still do have a chance of snow over higher elevations of Vancouver Island tonight. But I thought I would give you some reminders, a couple things to look forward to. One is that this Sunday we change our clocks. We move our clock forward on Sunday morning, but that means that the sunset is going to be at 7.12 p.m. at night. In addition, each day right now we're gaining 3 minutes and 38 seconds of daylight. That's fantastic. And we officially change over to spring on March 20th. So some things to look forward to indeed. Here's a look though. We've been dealing with this very relentless upper level low. It's finally going to shift north and weaken. It is still going to bring in a chance of showers to Vancouver Island and for our region overnight. Wet flurries even possible over higher elevations. But by tomorrow afternoon, we are expecting a mix of sun and cloud in most areas. So lots to look forward to. For those of you across the central coast though, snowfall expected and that extends in through the BC Peace River area. Prince George all across the south, a mix of sun and cloud. Vancouver Island, wet flurries over higher elevations and a chance of showers through the early part of the day, but expect more sunshine by the afternoon. For our region, it's a very slight chance through the early morning hours. Otherwise, a mix of sun and cloud expected. And we are expecting a mix of sun and cloud through Wednesday also. Late in the week though, another upper level trough is set to shift in and that brings a chance of showers back into our region. At least it will be mild with highs of 10 degrees. Tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from North Vancouver looking out over English Bay and you can see uh, the bridge there. A beautiful shot thanks to Blaine. That was last night's sunset. If you caught it there was just sort of a sliver of sunshine and that uh, made for a beautiful sunset. All right Jordan back to you. Lovely. Christy thank you so much. Squire joins us now. Canucks in action later game tonight. Yes 730 and Arthur Sillaws will be the uh, starting goalie because Rick Tockett doesn't want to overplay Thatcher Demko. You know, he just came back from an injury. He's played three. You know, the other game was an intense game. Um, he's been solid. He's been terrific. Yeah, Thatcher Demko is starting to look like his old self. The Demko from last season when he was carrying the Canucks on his back a lot of nights. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight. But I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah. Chris Rock turns trauma into comedy after the slap the whole world saw. We should mention Chris is here, but just not here. He has no voice tonight. Oh, really? That's why. So he, he left wrote it at the a rugby lot of sevens. He yes, left he did. It at the rugby sevens. And that I'm not good... divulging any secrets. He tweeted it. So yeah, that was a good. Uh, that was a good weekend. Yes, it was. Good crowds on hand for the uh, rugby sevens. They were very happy with the wing, way things went. All right. So under Rick Tockett, the Vancouver Canucks have been a 500 team, which is enough to get Vancouver a bit higher in the standings than some fans would like. But of course. Connor Bedard is not the coach or the player's concern. Rick Tockett wants to build something into his team that will translate to next season. Tonight, the Canucks have a 7.30 date with Nashville at Rogers Arena, a team that is still in the playoffs, only six points out in the West. And with more on this game, let's go down to hear from Jay at Rogers Arena. 
62 games into the regular season, and the Vancouver Canucks seem intent on moving up in the standings. The Canucks have won two of their last three. They're coming off arguably one of their most impressive and entertaining games of the season, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1 on Saturday night. Tonight, they get another team that's in the playoff picture, the Nashville Predators, six points out of a wildcard spot. Yeah, it was a good game, but I think it's time we kind of turn the page and look forward to the next one because I think a lot of times we come out this year and we've played a really solid game against good teams. We kind of lay an egg the next game. So our focus is that we expect to do that on a nightly basis. So uh, really going to challenge ourselves to have that same focus again and not just be comfortable with doing it once in a while. Vancouver's win against Toronto on Saturday night, also one of the most aggressive that we've seen from the Canucks. A couple of big hits, a couple of fighting majors. It's the kind of style and it's the kind of identity that you would expect from a Rick Talkin hockey team. Uh, he's trying to build us uh, identity um, to, to what standards we're trying to play with. Um, and each day we always trying to work on something to build for something in the future. So um, it won't happen over a day. Um, but uh, if you're constantly trying to get better every day, th good things will happen. Yeah, I think every coach wants their team to play aggressive. But I, I, I'm a response guy, you know. You know, Luke come out with some big hits for their team, and I just love the response. I mean, that's the best thing is, uh, you know, whether it's a hit or make a good play or something to get the momentum back. And I thought, obviously, Mizey doing what he did really ignited the bench. There's a process for us to to take to get to where we want to be, and I think for the most part so far since Rick's been here, it's been going in the right direction. One major roster change here at Rogers Arena today. Archer Seelofs has been called up on an emergency basis. Colin Daly apparently is under the weather, and Seelofs will start tonight against the National Predators. It's the present Canucks 730 from Rogers Arena with your ringside report, Jay Janower, Global Sports. Interesting trivia with Archer Seelofs. There have been three Canuck goalies that are from Riga, Latvia. Oh. See if you can figure out the other two, I'll. If I remember, I'll tell you at the end. Otherwise, look it up. Uh, anyways, he will start the game, and it's not because the Canucks are thinking about Connor Bedard and putting in Seelofs instead of Thatcher Demko. Seelofs actually hasn't been that bad, but of course, he's no Thatcher Demko. Rick Talkett just doesn't want to risk Demko's health after he spent three months on the sidelines. You know, I, I don't want, you know, I, I think I was telling you guys, I don't want this guy running off five, six games. I mean, he could, but it, for me, um, you know, I. I'm just conscious of, you know, he just came back from an injury. He's played three, you know, the other game was an intense game. Um, he's been solid. He's been terrific, you know. He's just quiet in the net. <clears throat> you know, I like our team. We're trying to, we're starting to get better at our system, but we're letting Thatcher see the puck. He's not getting those backdoor, you know, he's, he actually makes some, some backdoor saves, but we're trying to eliminate those ones and let him see it. You know, we have a better chance to win the game if he can see, play half the net. And uh, he's that elite of a goalie, the way he plays. Well, the comeback player of the year in the NFL is coming back to Seattle. The Seahawks have agreed to a three-year contract with quarterback Geno Smith. It's worth $105 million. Talk about patience and persistence paying off. Many thought Geno was just a one-year bridge between the Russell Wilson era and whoever Seattle's new quarterback would be. But Geno's season in 2022 changed that thinking. He started 17 games, led Seattle to an unexpected playoff spot, 30, 30 touchdown passes, only 11 interceptions, was ninth in the NFL in total yards thrown, also fifth in the quarterback rating metric. So he was a top 10 QB last year, and the players around him in Seattle really took to him as a leader taking over from Russell Wilson. Now, this is interesting. Here is how Geno Smith has increased his value year by year. From not even a million dollars a season in 2019 to 1.2, or, yeah, 1.2, then a little more than 1.2, and 
then 3.5 last year. And this coming season, the Seahawks have taken the decimal out between the three and the five. So now he'll make 35 million in 2023. See how it went up there? It's a bit more than the The uh, first big quarterback move of the offseason before Geno signed was Derek Carr signing a four-year deal with the Saints. It's not official yet, but his contract could be worth upwards of 150 million if he stays all four years. He was a Raider since 2014 with a record of 63 and 79 as a starter. Did not have a good season last year by his standards. So either that was a blip or a sign of a downward trend. Of course, the Saints are hoping it was just a blip. Briar tonight in the BC rink taking on wild card three from Alberta, skipped by Carson Sturme. And this is a Jacques Gauthier's rink scoring two in the seventh, and they would score three in the ninth. And they now have an 8-5 lead in the final end. Oh, so Silos, yes. Riga Latvia, the other two Canuck goalies from Riga Latvia, Archer Zerbe and Peter Scooter. There you go. Wouldn't have got either. That's going back. Uh, yes, it's going back a little ways. All right. Thanks, Squire. Yeah. Up next, comedian Chris Rock goes for laughs with his accounts of the Oscar slap no one found funny. Stay with us. One third of Canadian children are at risk of going to school every day on an empty stomach. And being hungry makes it harder for them to learn. That's why Global News is partnering with Toonies for Tummies to provide nutritious meals to children in need in your community. Please donate today. It's been almost a year since Chris Rock was slapped by Will Smith at the Oscars, an assault that shocked the audience and got Smith banned from the Oscars. The comedian is now sharing his version of what happened and how he's handling it in his new Netflix special. Y'all know what happened to me, getting smacked by Suge Smith. As if we needed to be reminded, on Oscar night almost a year ago, Chris Rock told a joke involving Jada Pinkett Smith prompting a violent response from her husband, Will. Oh, wow! Wow! Now, via his Netflix special, Selective Outrage, Rock is finally telling the world how he feels. People like, did it hurt? It still hurts! <laughs> I got summertime ringing in my ear. And it seems the slap hurt him in more ways than one as he shared his thoughts while watching Smith portray a man who escaped from slavery in his latest film. Humble down. I watch Emancipation just to see him get whooped. But I don't have any sort of sense that he has really um, come to grips with what actually has happened to him. NPR media really analyst Eric Deggins says Rock's comments on victimhood were particularly telling. But I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. I think Gail would be the first to tell you that there, there can be something very positive and cathartic about talking to somebody about what you've been through. And that is something that I think Chris right now is only able to express in anger. The thing I have a problem with is the selective outrage. But Will Smith wasn't Rock's only target. You know, like the kind of people that 
play Michael Jackson songs, but won't play R. Kelly. He tackled the Capitol riot. White men trying to overthrow the government that they run. Racism and Meghan Markle's professed ignorance of her new family's history. She didn't know. The it's the royal family. They're the original racists. Overall, there seemed to be a mixed reaction to the special. I'm sure a lot of people um, laughed at the jokes and enjoyed what he had to say. But the subtext behind it for me was someone who, whose, whose age and privilege made the stand-up special less insightful and less prescient than maybe it could have been. I know some people are like, Chris, you rich. Yeah, I'm rich. But I identify as poor. Rock ended his set by answering a question that many have been asking him for the past year about Smith. How come you didn't do nothing back that night? Because I got parents. That's why. Because I was raised. Okay? I got parents. And you know what my parents taught me? Don't fight in front of white people. Jamie Ucas, CBS News. All right, last word on the weather, Christy. Sure, so a uh, slight chance of showers overnight tonight through the early morning hours. Otherwise, expect a couple of really nice bright days. Late in the week, though, we'll see more cloud cover and we do have a slight chance of showers. Uh, and don't forget, we change our clocks on Sunday. So it means right. we, we, we do it forward, we lose an hour of sleep. Is that right? I always forget which way it goes. But you can play but golf least, longer. Yes, Squire, but at least at the, the sunset is at 7.12. That's good, I'd like to hear that. Thanks, Christy. That's the news hour. Chris will be back tomorrow if the lozenges work. And I'll be back at 11. Good night.